you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, this is the program for you. This is also the time of year that I'm always most excited about. Yeah, we want to be thinking about holiday things. We want to be spending time with family, focused on that. But it's not a time to ignore what we're doing in our work and career and business. Not at all. This is a great time to really be clarifying. What do you want the new year to look like? So we don't walk away from that. When other people are just forgetting about their work and their business, it's a good time to get a a heads up. Start on what it is you want to do so you can really have the success that you're looking for, that you're planning on, that you're committed to, that you've already decided on. And that's how it works, that you've already decided what you want 2015 to look like. Well, one of our partners today is audible.com. You hear me talk about them a lot. We love sharing what they bring to the table for our listeners. That's where you can access over 150 book titles for content that I recommend time and time again. You can go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days to get a free audio book. And I've got a couple suggestions for you that I can't wait to tell you about here in just a little bit. Also, I want to tell you about a special that my friends from Harry's Razors have for you as well. Just as a holiday special, this is the only week you'll hear me talk about it. So stay tuned. I'm going to give you a code where you can go and get a, a super duper deal on a really cool gift for one of those guys on your Christmas list. Now, our theme for today, I titled it, Maybe You're Risking Too Much. Now, where do you think I'm going to go with that? What are the chances are that I tell somebody, I think you're risking too much? Well, it it happens, but believe me, it's rare. And I've got a quotation where it'll help us understand that a little bit better. Now, we've got some questions, comments, input today. Some from people who are extremely excited and some from people who are extremely discouraged. Not unusual. Again, this time of year kind of brings out both of those ends. This is a time when a lot of people are very discouraged about what's happened for the year. Uh, There'll be a lot of people who lose jobs in the next couple weeks as we go into the new year. Just an unfortunate part of the reality of the workplace that we live in. But I hope that you feel like you're in the driver's seat in what you're doing, that you understand where it is that you're going. So we've got comments that kind of go the, the both extremes today. Somebody says, Dan, it sickens me how desperate I've become trying to turn my life around. Somebody else says, I just graduated with my bachelor's degree in business administration with a focus on entrepreneurship. And I did it in just over a year and for just under $10,000. Now, I'm going to tell you what this person did and how you can do the same, but we're talking about a bachelor's degree fully accredited in under a year and for less than $10,000. Now, this is becoming more and more common out there, and believe me, you've heard me talk about how our academic model is crumbling. This old model that we've had in place for so long just doesn't make sense anymore. In the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, which is going to be released January 1st, I've got an entire chapter in there titled, Yes, I Do Have an Education. And I talk about the things that we look for, things that make you an outstanding candidate that come from life experience other than just sitting in a classroom in a seat. But anyway, we'll we'll have fun talking about this here just as a kind of one tidbit in our 
show today. Somebody says, Dan, should I feel a need and fill it? Find an, or find a need and fill it or follow my passion. Interesting juxtaposition there. And then I got a free book for you from one of our listeners. I want to, can't wait to share that with you. Five ways to make money as a starving artist. Obviously you're going to want to stick around and make sure you get access to that. Very well done. Five ways to make money as a starving artist. Now here's a quotation. Remember I challenge you. Maybe you're risking too much. Quotation is from T.S. Eliot, who said, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. You know, I love that kind of thinking. Now think about it. Think about with me for a minute, the high jumper at the Olympics or at a track meet, a college track meet, the high jumper. He goes down, boom, clears the bar, clears the bar. How do we know really how good that high jumper is? Well, there's only one way to really test how good he is. That's to keep raising the bar until he trips it. But how do we frame the idea of him tripping the bar? We think, oh my, he failed. Well, yes, he did. But again, it's the only way we can truly measure how good that jumper really is. Well, I approach a lot of things in the same way myself. The only way I can really know how far I can go, how successful I can be is to go to the point where I'm then unsuccessful. That's okay with me. I hope it's okay with you. Only those who risk going too far can find out how far one can go. Well, I want to get to the question. Before I do that, I do want to tell you about this special from my friends at Harry's Razors. Now, certainly you've got somebody in your list that it's tough to shop for. Maybe you're like me. You got a couple sons that shave their heads. That kind of clues you into something that might be appropriate. And you know, you don't usually get a razor as a gift. I mean, it's not the kind of thing you go to the drugstore and you get in that lock case and get some plain Jane kind of thing out and give that as a gift. It's just not cool enough. Well, the Harry's razor is cool. They're, they're winter Winston. It's a $30 set. I'm going to tell you how to get a discount on that, but it's a $30 set. It's got that really sleek Chrome razor, three high quality blades. It's got their amazing foaming gel in there or shaving cream you can choose. It's already wrapped and shipping is always free. That's the deal. Now, here, here's what you can do. Go to harrys.com. That's just H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. And they're going to give all of you listeners to, the, to my show $5 off that Winter Winston set with the code. Now, here's the code you have to have. 48 days holiday. Now, that's it. You've got to have it just like that. 48 days holiday. Now that that's right. It's just a special limited time offer. Just this week, Harry's is gifting all new and existing Harry's customers $5 off that special winter Winston set. It's going to make a kicking gift for somebody on your list. So just go to harrys.com, enter the code 48 days holiday. You get five bucks off that special gift. Now I got a note from Tristan Manning. You probably heard me talk about him recently. Tristan and Mike Skiff have started their elite achievement solutions. They're coaching military veterans. So people looking for promotion within the military or looking to transition out, that's going to be their specialty. I'm delighted about what they're doing, eager to send people their way because it's been such a constant, constant request over the years here at 48 days. So they're going to be our experts. But a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that, that Todd and Emily from Gifty Song, we're doing a contest for you, our listeners. And you just enter their contest and somebody was going to get 
a free song that they would create for you. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard me play the one they did for us. Here, I'll play you a little clip of this. Stuck in the J-O-B Can someone set me free? I've had enough of this Joanne keeps telling me I ought to use this more. This life is Sometimes I give you a little clip of this. I'll play a little bit more here. This is from Todd and Emily, a gifty song. Well, you hear how that goes. Beautifully done to really personalize it for us. And that's what they do. And Tristan and Mike won that contest. So Todd and Emily are going to develop a song for them for their veteran coaching business, Elite Achievement Solutions. So we'll keep you posted on that. When they get that finished, I'll bring it over here. We'll see what they did for them. But anyway, just a, a cool uh, story from them that I'm delighted to share. Now, this comes from Stephen, who says, Dan, you mentioned a dentist dentist on your recent podcast that went out of business. I have a great idea for a toothbrush that's never been done before. If you think he might want to hear more, please send him my information. If he'd like it, maybe we can do a 50-50 partnership. Now, Stephen, let me just give you a little bit of direction here, and I'm going to give you a couple resources. That's probably not a great approach. You just say you've got a toothbrush that's never been done before. And so you find some random dentist and say, let's do this and we'll split it 50, 50. I mean, you don't know if that dentist has any business experience just because they're a dentist. Frankly, most dentists are not good business people. Just like most doctors are not good business people. I mean, they learn their technical skills, but they learn very little about the business side of what they have to do. So that's not a great starting point. Certainly you can have discussions with a lot of people to see who might really have skills that they bring to the table that would complement your own, but you need to have a more focused approach. If you really want to develop a product idea, one of the things that you can check out is quirky.com Q U I R K Y. I've talked about them before. They are doing a magnificent job of helping people develop their ideas and they do it really by almost crowdsourcing, meaning they present an idea and they have a whole lot of people looking at it. And if all those people are excited about the idea and they lend their expertise in terms of design, marketing, and all of that, they'll go ahead and market it. And I mean, they keep you in the driver's seat. Nobody's going to steal your idea. They've got protection for that, but they'll take it. And if they really think that it's something that would have market appeal, they'll help you develop it. It's a great way to approach it. Now, the other thing is, I want you to get Chris Gillibu's book, The $100 Startup. Reinvent the way you make a living, do what you love, and create a new future. Then that's when you can get it at audible.com. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, and you can get a free copy of Chris Gillibu's book, The $100 Startup. The $100 Startup. He goes through a whole lot of ideas in there about people who took small ideas like that and developed them. But I, I would hope that you would you do that. I mean, I encourage you to develop your idea. 
But don't just randomly throw it out there to somebody and say, we'll split it 50-50. For one thing, 50-50 split doesn't work. It's a horrible model. Always have at least 49-51 where somebody makes a decision. Don't ever go into business with somebody and do it 50-50. All right, we could, we could park there, but I'm going to move on. Now, this comes, I want no need to share a name here. It's just one I want to just share because we're getting so many of these this time of year, and it just is kind of indicative. But he says, I'm praying this makes its way to you, Dan. I'm one of the people who has tried to get a plug from you that you mentioned on your podcast not long ago. I wanted to take the time to say I'm very sorry. It sickens me how desperate I've become trying to turn my life around. I'm watching my life fall to pieces around me. I know this is a temporary circumstance, which is an excuse, but being in this position has challenged my faith, to say the very least. I've been praying with my lips and with my feet, but my shovel is just not big enough yet. I've created a few products and in normal circumstances. I would be proud of the progress. However, I've allowed my circumstances to marginalize my wins. I'm broken and have lost almost everything that I care about. I pray that God is tearing me down in order to build me back up better than ever before. And it goes on from there. Now, I, I just share that just, just as an encouragement to all of us to recognize there are people around us who are feeling like this. There's too many pieces in this for me to give specific solutions, unfortunately. But I want people to be encouraged, to reach out, to connect with other people, to look for the hope and encouragement that you need, to draw a line in the sand with your own discouragement, frustration, and despair, and just say, okay, I can choose to feel differently, to think differently, to act differently. I can choose to do that. Nobody's controlled by their circumstances unless you allow that. You can make a new choice to move on, and this is a great time of year to draw the line in the sand and do that. Now, hopefully some of the specific information that will be given in some of the upcoming questions here will help this listener and others like that as well. Yesterday, I, I was working with a lady who certainly midlife and feels very, very lost, no direction, described horrible things that have happened to her over her life. And, and those things impact us. The, those are major things. But at some point, again, we have to take responsibility for the life that we have today, draw a line in the sand and say, okay, it is going to be different tomorrow. And some of the stories you're going to hear here, you know, talk about Talk about that. I'm delighted to share those with you. Well, let me tell you about some here. Spencer says, when I finished high school, I knew that I did not want to devote the next four years of my life and $100,000 to get a college education. After some research, I found a program called College Plus that allowed me to work with fully accredited colleges to get any of the 45 plus degrees in a unique way that put me in control of my education. I'm proud to say that I just graduated with my bachelor's in business administration with a focus on entrepreneurship in just over one year and for just under $10,000. I did this while holding down a full-time job and coaching a policy debate and competitive public speaking team. Now I'm deciding what problem I want to solve next in the world. If you think of anyone who might benefit from this program, I would love to talk more. And he gives his, I guess Spencer's agreeing that he would actually talk to people. You know, this comes up a lot. I talked about a young gentleman recently who's done really well in real estate. And I've gotten a flood of people who say, I want to talk to that guy. And I talked to that guy. I won't put it out here again because he gets a flood every time I mention it. But he said, sure, I'm willing to talk to people about that. 
So Spencer apparently is willing to talk to people, which I appreciate immensely. But he did this, and this is this is for real. I mean, this is a real site. What he used was collegeplus.org. They walk you through what your goals are, what the best approach is for you. They have multiple colleges that they can pull from to allow you to get those initial credits, and then they transfer those into one of the major universities that they work with where you get your final credits and actually get the degree from there. But he did this in just over a year. I mean, we're so accustomed to thinking that a college degree takes four years. No, there's a guy recently who went through MIT. He did their online courses, which you can do at your own speed. And he did a a degree, a full, full degree from MIT in just under a year. You can Google that and find it. I'm sure. But check this out, and if you want to talk to Spencer, uh, let me know. Just shoot your note in to Ask Dan. I'll connect you with him. But uh, but the, the, the site is collegeplus.org. You can go there, get the information. Spencer, thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, what a cool story to share right here, and what an encouragement to others, and what a, a fresh approach to understanding you can get degrees in new and novel ways without the kind of expense that most people incur. Yeah, you really can real stuff. That's what we want to share here is that kind of real stuff. Well, Matt says a few years ago, I tried to become a public speaking coach, but the timing in my life just wasn't right. I'm considering resurrecting this idea since I love mentoring new speakers and helping them develop their skills and find their confidence, taking a scared kid and turning them into a confident speaker is a great thrill. I have a decent amount of materials that I've developed myself. I would just need to update them for some of the new technologies and the new knowledge I've gained since then. I'm most familiar with coaching with excellence program for career and business coaches. Is this program specifically designed for business coaches or is it more general to all potential coaching professions? If I wanted to engage a personal coach to help get this project off the ground, what kind of skills should I look for in a coach? I'm big on ideas, but not great on the execution phase. My background is academic science. So coming up with the next idea is usually the goal and a paper or grant is the product. Thanks for all the inspiration you give Matt. Now, let me address your your question. You're asking about the coaching with excellence program that we have that you hear me talk about. We got the next one coming up right at the end of January. Uh, I think it's about 75% full at this point and we'll max out. We max that out at 40 people, but, uh, We do have career and business coaches in there, but just this last week, I worked with a delightful gentleman, Dr. Dallas Demet, who has been through the coaching with excellence program. He is a listening coach. That's what he, he, that's what he is. He's a listening coach. He works with major companies like Chick-fil-A and certainly a lot of others in helping their leaders be more effective listeners. So he positions himself. Now, he's a Ph.D. psychologist, but he positions himself as a listening coach. We've had people who went on to be a diabetes coach, certainly career coach, life coach, parenting coach, business coach, gardening coach, transition coach, youth sports coach. I mean, there's we don't narrow down to a specific specific application niche in coaching with excellence. Now, we encourage the participants to do exactly that. And we help you do that in the very first day of that two-day process. So we encourage you to do that. But it's certainly not a cookie-cutter program. You can decide to be any kind of coach that you want. So 
that's that that part of your question. Now you say if you want to engage a personal coach, what kind of skills should you look for in a coach? So you want a coach to coach you to be a coach, and that's perfectly legitimate. So you want somebody to help coach you to be a speaking coach. Well, what I would look for is somebody who has experience in that area. And there's certainly one guy you hear me talk about here. That's Kent Julian. Kent does exactly that. He has a coaching program for speakers. And if you want to understand how to do that, how to coach other speakers well, I would encourage you check out Kent's material. Kent, you can find him at Live It Forward or Speak It Forward, and you can see the next event he's got coming up and the kind of coaching processes that he's got. Certainly, that'd be a great approach for you. Okay, Marshall says, now this is a pretty interesting question here. Hi, Dan, I've been a big fan of the podcast for years now. I often wait to hear your book recommendations before I use my monthly credit at audible.com. This time I was excited to hear that Rabbi Daniel Lappin had a new book out. I immediately grabbed that audiobook and got very excited as I listened to the first few chapters on specializing and building your business on relationships and helping people. The next day I continued my listening and got to the chapter where he talks about what you should choose to do for work. He suggests that your work should be based on helping others with their needs and desires and not at all on your own passion or what you want to do. He criticizes the content of the typical commencement speeches at colleges for telling graduates to go into the world and follow their passions, saying that it's the worst possible advice a graduate could receive and that we should do our best to ignore it. Being somebody who is actively working to build a business with, with his creative pursuits in music and art, you can imagine how deflated I felt. I must admit, I've been trying to make my passions work for many years, and it's been tough, to say the least. I also must admit that what he's saying makes a lot of sense. But I feel like I've been learning so much and that the opportunity is ripe for a hardworking, creative person like myself to make a living. Being a Bible believer as well and seeing this idea Rabbi Lappin was talking about reflected in Scripture, can you see how very conflicted I am? Especially when I'm such a big fan of your finding the work you love teaching. I think this is a very serious distinction between your and his teaching. One that leaves me a little confused and feeling a little stuck on which route to pursue. Thanks for all you do, Marshall. Marshall, I love your question. Now, this is from a book, and I, and I want you to, I want anybody else to get the book that Marshall is talking about. You, again, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and put in business secrets from the Bible by my good friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And he is a good friend of mine. I love that man. I love his teaching. But let's frame this a little bit. The Bible also says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. So you ought to be getting advice from a lot of people. And in this particular situation, yeah, you're hearing something that is a little bit different. I cringed as well when I read that part in Rabbi Lappin's new book, where he talks about ignore your passions, just find something that needs to be done. I think that's wrong. I, I've told him that. Now, this is the deal. We can still be friends and disagree on that. That doesn't mean we walk away from each other's friendship. But I do disagree on that. Here's why. Now, you've heard me talk about the three elements that I absolutely believe from the top of my head to the tip of my toes have to be blended in order for you to really have work that is meaningful, purposeful, fulfilling, and profitable. 
All those things I talk about at the end of every show here. And the, 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 but the three legs of the stool are passion, talent, and a market. Now let's just think about those for a minute. Passion, yeah, it has to be something you really care about. Talent, you have to be able to do something extremely well. There has to be a market for that. Now let's look at those with the exclusion of any one of the three. If you have passion and talent, but there's no market for what you do, you have a hobby. You may like to carve wooden whistles, you know, but there's really no way to sell this profitably. That's okay. You can do that. That's a hobby. Passion and talent with no market. If you have talent and market, but no passion, which is really what Rabbi Lappin is implying there. Just if you can do something really well, the world needs it. There's an obvious market for it. That's what you do. Just be responsible, bite the bullet. Just do that as you work. But you know what? You'll burn out. Making money is not enough. Making money is never enough compensation for investing your time and energy. Ultimately, you'll burn out. And I see lots of physicians and attorneys. I've made a very good living coaching physicians, attorneys, dentists, engineers, and pastors who have proven their ability to do what they do really well. And there's an obvious need for it, but there's no passion and they're burned out. So yeah, I, I don't think you can make it work without passion. Now there has to be a market as well, which is what Rabbi Lappin is talking about. Yeah, there has to be a clear market. It has to be something that people need. Well, let's see, we went through passion and talent, but no market. You've got a hobby, talent and passion, ta talent and market, but no passion. You'll burn out. All right. The other, the, the other, un, other possible combination is, is passion and market, but no talent in that you're going to starve to death trying to make it work. I can take you on a brief tour here in Nashville and we can go visit 20 people who have passion for music. There's obvious market for that but they have no talent. They're starving to death. So you've got to have all three and I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns on that now. And I'm just comfortable disagreeing with my friend Rabbi Lappin on that particular point. Well, Hey, just a reminder here. I'll take a breather with that, but just a reminder, you're hearing lots of questions, real questions from people like you, the listeners. If you got a question, I'd be happy to entertain that as a possible inclusion in an upcoming podcast. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You'll see that red starburst. Click on that. It'll give you an opportunity to share there. You can also leave an audio question there if you want to, or just send it directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, this question comes to us from Jake. And Jake says, I've been stuck in the same job for almost nine years now, and for the longest time, I pursued success in life with, in conjunction with giving myself fully to that job, whether I enjoyed it or not. Let me back up a minute. I need to digest that a little bit myself. I've been stuck in the same job for almost nine years. So using that terminology, I've been stuck. Obviously, it's not that fulfilling. He feels trapped for the longest time. And I pursued success in life in conjunction with giving myself fully to that job, whether I enjoyed it or not. Okay. Not a real pretty picture. It's time for a change, but I have no idea where to start. I've read 48 days and I took the personality profile, which describes me as an advocate 
The options are paralyzing in a sense. And the things I know I'm good at are maintaining a big picture focus, helping or leading people, especially one-on-one, seeing holes in systems and organizations. I've dedicated myself to reading, listening to leadership tools that have grown me immensely while still not narrowing my views or passion to something I'm ready to pursue. Being 29 years old with limited experience in management of small teams and being legitimately good at everything and expert in nothing, how do I focus passion in a clear, pursuable way to support my family? Let me kind of back up on your question here, Jake. Trying different things, a variety of things, is a very legitimate way to find your ultimate purpose and passion. I mean, I certainly didn't start being an author, speaker, and a coach at 29 or at 39. I I had a variety of work experiences that expanded my options and helped me recognize the sweet spot that I now have the privilege of working in. But it took a long time for me to figure that out. Now, I also have to say, I wasn't frustrated at 19 or 29 or 39. I wasn't miserable in what I was doing. I did a whole lot of things that look like they're very, very unconnected. And yet they were just things that I enjoyed. So I did a lot of things. I was in the health and fitness industry for several years. And I've done a variety of things in, with cars. I've done sales training. Those are all things that I really thoroughly enjoyed. You know, sometimes I look back on that and I scratch my head and I see how miserable people are and what they're doing. And I think, wow, you know, why wasn't I more miserable than I was? But I really wasn't. But it was only when I was about 45 years old that some things kind of came together and opened the door for me to start positioning myself as a coach. And I found what a vacuum there was there and what an opportunity there was there to do that. So don't diminish the value of the learning experiences that you're doing along the way. And don't be too hard on yourself at having to find the perfect fit, your perfect application of your passion at 29 years old. It may still take a few more years to get to that. Just enjoy the journey. Now, ultimately, yeah, you want to find something that you really thoroughly enjoy. Now, I just recently read Darren Hardy's brand new book, The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. And you haven't heard me talk about that, promote it yet, because it's not available. It's not been released yet. Uh, when, when it is, I'll certainly direct you to that in both the physical form and the audio. But in that, he talks about having interviewed David Foster. Now, you know, David Foster, the hit man, this is the guy who is the producer, arranger, and has worked with people like Celine Dion, Michael Bublé, Josh Groban, others. You see the NPR specials and hear about the amazing work that he's done. Darren interviewed him just after he had celebrated his 60th birthday. And David, obviously extremely successful in any way, every way, you know, financially, certainly. And he's still working more than 40 hours a week, actually working seven days a week. And, and Darren was wondering, why would he do that? You know, why wouldn't he back off? And so he asked him, why does he spend all those hours every day working for something he already has? I mean, how much more success can you go for when these big name people are saying they owe their success to David Foster? 
me, why would he keep doing that? And here's what Darren says in his book. David looked at me for a moment as if trying to find the perfect words to explain an obvious concept that was clearly lost on me. On a Saturday morning when it's quiet, he said, there's no place I'd rather be on the planet. No exotic beach, no lounge chair, no golf course, no place I'd rather be than in my studio making great art. That's not working. That's living. Now think about that. I mean, what drives David Foster to continue to work and create isn't money. It's not fame. It's love. He absolutely loves his work. And that's it. Now here's another thing that David says. And I know this may seem to go counter to what I just talked about when you're 29, you know, maybe you don't aren't in the perfect career. You're, it's still a process of exploration and clarification. And a lot of times the early jobs in our careers are exactly that. They have value. It's not, we made a wrong turn. We made a mistake, a bad decision. No, it, they're valuable in that they help in the process of clarification. And if you can, by the time you're 40 or 45 or 50, then reflect back on, look at the patterns where we start to see similarities, similar patterns developing, we can then identify truly what your purpose and mission is. And you can go into the most productive 20 years of your work life. I mean, that's how what we see unfold time and time again. But David says this, I'll just share this one more thing. He says, if you'd rather be anywhere than doing your great work on a Saturday morning, then you're probably doing the wrong thing. Or looking at it in the wrong way. That's how strong he feels about, yeah, there ought to be a sense that what you're doing matters. It ought to engage your talent, your passion, and there should be a clear market for it. We had dinner the other night with Dave and Sharon Ramsey, our longtime friends. Dave asked me if I was thinking about slowing down anytime soon. And I laughed. I says, man, I can't even let that thought find a place in my brain. I am more fired up about the things I'm going to do in the next 10 years. Yeah, I've got the the 10 year anniversary edition of 48 days to the work you love is coming out January 1st. But now that sets the stage for the next 10 years. I've had a really strong run with that book over the last 10 years, really before that in that I was selling it myself in various forms for a few years, but it's been 10 years in hardback continues to do extremely well. And I expect it to get a whole new surge of activity and it, we're already lining up, you know, lots of new interviews that I'm going to be doing writing opportunities that'll come out of that. There's about 60% new content in there. Things like this reframing of education that I already talked about. And those things are going to fuel my activities. I'm busier than I've ever been. And I don't resent that. I love the things I'm doing. I've already got planned this Saturday what I need to do. I've got the whole day mapped out because I've got a whole lot of thank you gifts that I'm going to be sending out to people and writing individual letters. I'm doing that on Saturday because I've had a very full week. And next week, um, Joanne and I are going to be in Chicago for a few days. So I'm going to have a little shorter week. But Saturday, I'm not resenting that. I'm not thinking, oh my goodness, I wish I could be watching TV and eating Doritos all day. No, I love what I'm anticipating doing. It's a part of my work, but it doesn't feel like work in the way that most people define it. I mean, obviously that is what I want for you. Well, let me move on here. Catherine says, 
Dan, your 10x return on investment philosophy helped me land a client. Recently, you explained how your approach to the coaching with excellence fee is that attendees should be able to earn 10 times what they paid to attend in the first year. Hearing you explain that mindset struck a chord with me big time. My business produces interview-based audio products for speakers. I help speakers turn their talks into programs they can sell. I almost immediately took your thinking to my own services, and as I was coming up with a proposal for a coaching client, I calculated out what it would take for the client to get a 10x return on my fee. Dan, as soon as I worked out those numbers, I was totally filled with confidence in the fee I was asking for. I even used those numbers while making my pitch, and I believe it clarified the offering for my client. I got the fee I wanted. My client got a picture of how to get what he wanted. From here on out, I will use that approach when making future proposals, and I will encourage your listeners to see how they can look for the 10x in their own businesses. It was an interesting process, and I'm glad I did it. Thank you so much, Catherine O'Brien. Well, thanks for sharing that, Catherine. It really does make sense to frame it in that way. Let me give you a, a personal example. A few years ago, I was doing leadership development workshops. So it was an available workshop. You know, I would do the same thing, company to company, three-hour workshop. And I was charging $3,500 for that three-hour workshop. <clears throat> one of the companies approached me was one of the major banks, and they said they were having a, a real challenge with turnover in their upper level managers. These are managers that were being paid at the time, eighty, ninety thousand $90,000 a few years ago, but they were being paid well. And yet they'd promote them into this position. And six months later, they'd leave. And they wanted me to help address the problem they were having with turnover. And I said, sure, I can do that. Now, frankly, it was, it was really easy to see what was happening. You hear me talk about the disc personality profile, D I S and C dominance, influencing steadiness and compliance. They were promoting from within, so they were taking people who, had pro who were high SCs. People were really good with detail, analytical things, keeping the facts and figures straight. They would reward those people for doing such an excellent job by promoting them to a division manager, thus taking them out of what they did well and putting them in something where there was not a fit. That's all that was happening. It was really easy to identify. And so I was going to help them understand how to have the proper matches in positions and stop moving people into things that was a mismatch for them. So here's the deal. I wanted them to do an internal audit to figure out how much does it cost them to lose one of those managers. They came back, they did an internal audit, came back and said it cost them $32,000 in lost productivity, hiring, recruiting costs, and so on. That's a very low figure for that. It's unrealistically low. It's going to be at least an annual salary, but I didn't question it. It doesn't really matter. I said, okay. So you're losing about 150 uh, people in this position a year. There's a very large company. They had over 20,000 employees. So, so we had identified they're losing at least 150 people a year through this turnover that shouldn't be happening. And based on their figure, that would cost them $4.8 million. So I said, if we reduce their turnover by even 10%, which I think we can do way more than that, but by even 10%, that's going to save the company $480,000, essentially half a million dollars. They said, yes. I said, okay, I'll do two workshops a day, twice, twice, twice a day. You know, and your investment in that process for me to do two workshops, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, have lunch with the leaders you want me to meet with your investment in that process will be $8,000 a day. And they said, when can you start? 
Now, if I had come in and said, my cost to do two workshops in your company in a day is $8,000, they could look at that and say, are you kidding me? We don't pay anybody $1,000 an hour to work here. We can't do that. That's not how I framed it. I framed it based on your need, losing a half a million dollars a year. If we even reduce that, I mean, if we're losing $4.8 million a year, if we even reduce that by 10%, you're going to save half a million. Thus, are they going to get a 10 times return? They were totally confident of that as I was. Absolutely. 10 times return would mean that for every day that I was there, they'd save $80,000. And I know we did that and more. That's how you frame that. Now, one of our coaching with excellence attendees recently is doing workshops that he calls iron sharpens iron. He takes 12 guys and puts them together. They meet weekly and it's usually virtually. I mean, these are not people where they get together over coffee. So it's virtually, but you're in a group of 12, maximum of 12. Those guys pay $350 a month to be part of that iron sharpens iron mastermind. He currently has two groups that are full. So two groups that are full. If you do the math on that, that's what? $8,400. What he wants to have, I talked to him yesterday. What he wants to have is 10 groups, 10 groups, of 12 guys each where he then works with them on a weekly basis, 10 groups. I think that's a lot, but that's his goal. 10 groups. You know what that would be? That'd be $42,000 a month income from that one activity alone. Now, is that a a 10 times return on his $1,000 investment in the coaching with excellence that got him started in this process? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I don't even know what the multiple is of that, but I was talking about what I expect is that somebody will get a 10 times return. That means they're going to make $10,000 extra in the course of 12 months as a result of coming to coaching with excellence. I mean, absolutely assured of that. Well, let me move on. And I've got a couple more here I want to get to. You know, I'm going to go to, let me, let me skip here. I'm going to read Tiffany's because I really want to share this. Hi, Dan. I'm Tiffany Black. I've written you several times over the last year and a half when I first discovered your platform. You've opened me up to so many ways to find work I love. I'm an actress and it's a difficult career choice. Income is unstable and unpredictable, but I took your advice and expanded my optimism. I set out to write, publish three books this year. Two of them are on Amazon Kindle. One is free via my website. It's called five ways to make money as a starving artist. I dedicated my third book to you. It's called the LA actor conquers the Atlanta market. It's a niche book. And I wrote the book I wish was written. It's already helping actors all over Los Angeles. I'd love to send you a copy. I'm thrilled about 2015. I'm doing your 30 minute a day challenge. Thanks for all you do. Tiffany. Now, I love that. And um, Tiffany, I'm totally honored that you dedicated the book to me. Um, Tiffany is a listener. I've not had the privilege of meeting her yet. I did go to her website and I did download what she is offering as a free book. If you go to TiffanySBlack.com and it's TiffanySBlack.com, five ways to make money as a starving artist. Go there and download it. It's delightful. It's, it's short. It's not going to take you a long time to read it, but she's got real principles, things like finding a flexible job. She's got a job as a web writer, so it's not locking her in at eight to five so she can be free for auditions and performances and all of that. Finding a flex job, but have something that's a core career that provides your income, keeps the lights on. Great approach. 
really great approach to that. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, let me get a couple more. Alan says, as I pursue this principle of intentional living that you so kindly addressed in your podcast, I'm more and more convinced that disengagement, distraction, ADD, or whatever we call it, is epidemic in our society today. This is what causes voter turnout to be at an all-time low. It's what causes personal debt to be at an all-time high. It's what causes children to feel lonely when they're with their parents. I believe that intentionality is fundamental to all great how-to plans, including yours. The 48-day timeline and the steps you lay out force people to be focused and intentional. Dave Ramsey's plan urges focused intensity, gazelle intensity. Michael Hyatt stresses intentionality, also as does Andy Andrews. I could go on and on, but you get the point. This may be the beginner's mind or just audacity, but I'm suggesting a book co-authored by yourself and the others mentioned on the topic of intentional living. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Well, that's a delightful idea to have a book that's co-written with, let's see, you got Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt, Andy Andrews. I mean, those are all dear friends of mine. Yeah, that'd, that'd be awesome. Now, are we ever going to pull it off? I don't know. I mean, doing a book together is a challenging thing to coordinate all of that. And believe me, with, with the guys you mentioned, it would be no big deal. I mean, I we could come together if I said that I want to get all the money made. That's not going to be an issue at all. So it's not going to be a matter of people grabbing to get their share. It's just a matter of coordinating our efforts to do a major project together like that. Wow, I'm not sure we're ever going to be able to do that. But I appreciate the thought. I really do. Um, it's wonderful to think about. I'm just not sure the logistics and as busy as all of us are that uh, we're ever going to slow down to do that. I don't know. I'll, I'll give it some thought. Certainly not out of the question at all. Well, let me just recap a little bit. I will put in in the notes today the link to the webinar that I did with Michael Hyatt on how to make next, next year your best year ever. Uh, yeah, there's a system that he's got that's available, but just going through the webinar is valuable, valuable information. And it links to three videos that he did that really do walk you through how to be intentional, how to get the clarity that you want, how to de- define that clear purpose and passion. And then what are the steps to move into that to make it happen? I had a lot of fun doing that with Michael. We're both on the same page in terms of how we uh, are so passionate about goals and what we're doing right now, this time of year. So I'll put that in there. I'll put in the link from Tiffany black as well, where you can get that free book on five ways to make money as a starving artist. And then remember our quotation from T S Eliot, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Now I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. I hope that this is a time of reflection, a time of uh, rejoicing over what's happened this year and that you have the positive anticipation for what's coming next year. Again, I know this can be a challenging time. If you've got questions for me or for our team, you know, be sure to just shoot those in. We'd be delighted to try to help you out, give you some clarity for direction so you can enter the new year with the confidence that you ought to have. Hey, we're going to end this week a little bit differently. Again, I know that this is uh, an opportunity for me. I appreciate you, the listeners, so much in being part of this community, this amazing experiment we've got going on to, in fact, find or create work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. We're going to go out today with a little bit different music than usual. You'll understand why. Have yourself 
A merry little Christmas Let your heart be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas. little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay Make the Yuletide gay From now on our troubles will be miles away